You are listening to the Jason Killingsworth Podcast. Let's go. several years, I've been working as a creative director in the marketing department of a video game company. It's been a dream job in many ways. However, I began my career as a magazine journalist, and I've missed having that captive audience with my favorite artists and creators. The excuse to get on the phone with a total stranger and tease apart their work and creative process. This podcast is my attempt to reopen that channel of exploration and do it on my own terms. If you share my preoccupation with themes like curiosity, self-expression, and making peace with the crooked edges of our personal and creative lives, you have come to the right place. Today's guest is Candy Bolton, an illustrator, painter, and toy designer whose work blends inspirations from Japanese mythology, surrealism, and pop culture. She paints her own original pieces, but has also engaged in memorable collaborations with Kid Robot and Sanrio, the company behind Hello Kitty. She's a monster talent, and it's a huge honor to have her on the podcast. Now, let's jump into my conversation with Candy Bolton. All right. I am joined by Candy Bolton. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So I interviewed a friend of yours, Luke Chu, uh, for a previous episode, and that was it was following him online that that got me into into your work and and just loving the like weird uh, like toy creations and like Japanese monsters and and just all of the insane colors that you would get with your airbrushing and then uh, the painting it it really got me hooked and so I've I've been a big fan of your work for a while but uh, when I knew that I definitely needed to uh, to get you on the podcast was when I saw this crazy Animal Crossing bulletin board art thing come up on your uh, Instagram feed. It was so random. It it was kind of out of the blue. And so first of all, just explain what what this is, uh, you know, for, for listeners. Okay, so I guess we should start explaining what Animal Crossing is. It is a game on the Nintendo Switch, and it's a very wholesome, like kid-friendly game. You have an island, those cute little animal villagers that live with you. And basically you collect items, you make your island look beautiful, and you can play with other players who have their own island and you trade items and interact with them and visit each other's islands. So I got super into this game. And the past two weeks I've been playing a lot with uh, Luke Chu and also Scott Tolson and uh, Patrick from Monkey King. And we joke that we're like 
the West Coast toy crew and we're all like playing <laughs> Animal Crossing together and we like um, have like a group chat where we're talking about all the items and different things happening on our island and all of that. So in this game, uh, you can also write on each other's bulletin board that is located on their island. And I didn't even know that you could write or draw on this bulletin board. I saw a post somewhere that someone was like, by the way, you can draw on here. Yeah, that seems really dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Especially because it's meant to be a kid-friendly game. I think it's like rated E for everyone or something. Um, But it, it was really interesting to me. I just wanted to give it a try. And I was on my friend's island and I just wanted to make something that was like really funny that would make her laugh. So I think I just drew like a really like giant ass and I wrote like thick, like T-H-I-C-C. <laughs> and it was just like a girl's ass with a thong. And it was really crude drawing. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't yeah. very good, but it was good enough. And I showed it to her. It made her laugh. I showed it to my boyfriend. He thought it was hilarious. And I just thought, like, this is really funny and unexpected because, like, the last thing that you expect when you look at someone's bulletin board on this game is to see something, like, inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, you expect that yeah. in maybe, like, a in a subway or, like, a metro stop or like, something like that. But, yeah, definitely not on little cartoon, happy, fun land, uh, family-friendly Nintendo uh, world. That's a, that's the name of a video game, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just uh, really, I just thought it was funny, and I wanted to keep trying to like get better at it because the other aspect of it is that it's incredibly hard to draw on this thing. So the Nintendo Switch it has a touch screen, but it is not as good as like your phone or a tablet. Definitely not as like. Uh, easy to use as you know an apple pencil on a tablet which basically feels like real drawing like i'd say that the bulletin board is between like i don't know like you know those like pads that you like write your signature on when you're like checking out it's between that and like an etch-a-sketch <laughs> it's very difficult um and i'm using my finger so the whole time that I'm like touching the pad, I can't see what I'm drawing because my finger is covering it up. So kind of when I'm drawing, I feel like I'm just like hoping that the lines get placed in the correct position. And if it's not, then I have to erase or redo the line over and over. Um, so it's really hard to work with. And you're limited with how many lines you can do. Like you, if you want to fill up the whole page with a uh, ink you can't do that because you run out of ink there's like i didn't realize that yeah there's like a gauge on the right side and as you're drawing it's slowly depleting and um uh, there's only four colors there's black yellow pink and blue and that's it and then there's three line thicknesses so it's really not intended for anyone to do any kind of like you know masterpiece on here but because it's (laughs) so limited like that's kind of what I found fun about it because then it's like well let's see what I can do with these very limited tools those constraints always like make make the end result like more interesting than it would be if it was if it was just very effortless and and seamless to work with 
when you have unlimited possibilities, then it's kind of you just overthink it because you're like, well, I can do anything. But on this uh, medium, you can't do anything that you want. It's super limited by even just how many different lines you can draw on there. So I think that's what I found appealing about it. Is it a bit of a YOLO kind of uh, free-for-all <laughs> with the bulletin boards? Or is there uh, like a Nintendo person in Japan like kind of squinting and, and grunt and like kind of, hmm, like what do we, what do we have here? Banned. Uh, <laughs> Nothing nothing of yours has gotten pulled down, has it? No, I I haven't been made aware of it, if it has. I think that when you look at someone's bulletin board that you have the option to report something. So I think that if someone reports it, then um, it might be looked at and they might have to evaluate that. So what I've been, I should maybe also explain what I've been drawing since like my first <laughs> drawing, like, um, after I drew the my first drawing of the ass, then I started drawing like actual girls and like um, mostly girls wearing bikinis. So there's no nudity. Like I haven't drawn anyone that's naked, but it only looks nude in the process uh, uh, process videos before you actually get a chance that's to true. to draw on the the strings and um, yeah, but. Up until that point, you're like, oh, okay, which way is this going? And then, and then it gets, uh, <laughs> it gets safe for That's work like halfway through. Process, you have to like, you, you know, when you're drawing a person, you start drawing the their general form, and then you add clothes to them, right? Yeah, you need to, you, you actually, yeah, you need to get the body in there. Um, it's a figure drawing kind of exercise before you, it goes into like Barbie dress up, I suppose. Yeah, but I can see how it is totally unexpected, um, not only because it's in a basically a kid's game, but also because I don't really draw this kind of thing. Um, like, I, I, I've always been really into anime and video games, and if you play, like, you know, Japanese JRPGs, and if you watch a lot of anime, these are what the girls look like in... The, in this genre of stuff so I um, I've always been a fan of this like art style and I just never really did it too much because um, like I used to draw more in this style when I was a teenager um, but since I've been starting my art career I was like I need to take it seriously I need to do like serious stuff so I'm just doing um, you know, Japanese creatures and a lot of dragons lately. Um, yeah, 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 just and I just wanted to not take it so seriously. I wanted to do something fun, something that I thought was funny. I hope that people see that there's like a sense of humor in it. I don't want anyone to take it seriously, and I'm sorry if I've offended anyone because I think that when I did post the compilation video of my uh, time-lapse drawings of these like girls in bikinis, I lost a lot of followers from that. And yeah, so I think I did offend people, but yeah, you can't make everyone happy. So the characters that I'm drawing that uh, look like animals, uh, it's uh, characters from the game. And so I just think it's really funny to see the character in Animal Crossing then turned into like, you know, some like sexy character. 
So you opened it up for uh, for commissions. Yeah. <laughs> so it happened really quickly. I just started doing these drawings. I think it was last week. And I, at first, it was really hard for me to just draw anything in general. And within just like two days, I was like, well, I kind of got the hang of things. And now I feel like I can draw whatever I want on there, practically. Um, and first people were messaging me seeing on my Instagram stories, um, I was posting my artwork just on there. And I was getting a ton of DMs of people saying, please come to my town and draw on my bulletin board. And I think in like the first two days of me starting to do it, oh gosh, I don't know. I got way too many DMs about it. And I was traveling from town to town and I made like over 2 million bells doing this. And before that I was oh poor. I, only, I like, God. <laughs> I was lucky that I had like 10,000 bells at any given time. Was it always in-game currency or did you toy around with the fact or with the possibility of making a little bit of extra like side hustle uh, money with it? Well, I did this for two days where it was only getting tips in the game currency and that was fine and I had fun with it, but they were taking up a lot of my time because some of these drawings, um, I was spending about 20 minutes, like 15 to 20 minutes but uh, sometimes then I would hang around at their island and I would want to check things out or they'd want to talk. And then it ended up taking half an hour. And I'm actually working on a lot of projects right now. Like I should not be spending any time in Animal Crossing that at this moment. That's how bad it is. Like, okay. I am super behind. But I kept doing this because it was just a fun distraction. And it like kept me motivated I guess to keep going and it's just such a fun like really quick like stupid drawing and then I post it on my Instagram then I go on to the next island but um like I said I was playing this game with uh Luke Chu and Scott Tolson and they're both artists and they're like Mm -hmm. maybe we see you spending a lot of time on these drawings and you do a really great job on them maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to like start asking for real money. So I, after two or three days, I decided, well, I'm getting way too many commissions. I can't keep up with them and I have real work that I need to be doing. So I'm just going to ask for $5 in real currency and then also ask that they tip me with in-game currency. (laughs) And as soon as I started that, um, I got way less DMs about it. But I'm also like, that's fine, because I, it was taking up way too much of my time. I needed to slow it down anyways. I was just wondering if there is any element to this whole side kind of adventure in terms of almost like resetting, like having a brain injury and like waking up and like needing to <laughs> learn how to be an artist again. Uh, like how much did that factor into it of just like, I don't know, becoming a beginner again at, at this thing that you've spent so many years refining? I think that might have been what really encouraged me to keep going because I, when I first started, I could barely draw anything on the bulletin board. And then I saw so much progress in just like, you know, two, three days or so. And um, that alone is what was like the most exciting part of this whole thing for me, just seeing that I could 
take this really crude like drawing tool that's not really meant to be for drawing anything besides like just some smiley faces or something and um seeing what I could do with it that was like the funnest part about it to me that and like I think the drawings make people laugh and I like that (laughs) (laughs) has this project like made you like think about experimenting with with like new new cast of characters or like kind of altering like some of the templates that you've been operating with like in your more quote-unquote serious art well the whole idea of like using more humanoid type characters has just been creeping up in my artwork recently because I did the collaboration with Sanrio to do a kind of more like a teenage version of Hello Kitty working with their character for um, that figuring that I did with Kid Robot and Sanrio. Um, So that one came out, which definitely had to be very kid friendly and Sanrio had certain um, like rules that that you had to abide by, which I totally understand. Um, But actually since then, I was approached again by Kid Robot to do another design that is more adult, and it's using uh, like a humanoid character. So I, uh, I'm working on the sketches for that design right now. I haven't been able to show anything about it, and probably if I wasn't playing so much Animal Crossing, I would already have that design finished. But yeah, I think that. Um, if my fans still um, enjoy seeing this kind of style, I'll probably keep doing it. But sometimes uh, I will post something that's completely different from what I usually do. And if it has a bad reaction to it, then I'll be a little discouraged. Um, you know, it, it did make me feel a little embarrassed to post the video and then see my follower count drop a significant amount. But I think that even if it wasn't it like in general if you post something completely different from what you usually do you can always expect that kind of thing to happen so i don't know i think that what's more important is if i enjoy what i'm doing and i think i'm doing like a good job at it (laughs) then maybe i should keep exploring that kind of style so i am a i'm a a total geek when it comes to like some of the granular aspects of like process and and how things actually get made uh and so i was wondering if you could since you mentioned the concepting work that you're doing for your next piece can you explain like how you actually um like create that sketch or concept or what that looks like before it becomes something that actually gets like fabricated or or made yeah so um it was i've been working with frank kozik he's a very well-known artist a toy designer um and he does uh, paintings and illustrations and stuff. One of his vinyl toys, like the Labbit character that he does, it, I, I think that was one of the first vinyl toys that I ever bought when I was like in high school. So it's really cool to be working with him now. He approached me about doing an original design 
And he said that I could do whatever I wanted, but that was kind of too much, too open-ended for me. So I told him I had, I was having trouble coming up with an idea. So he threw some elements at me telling me that, well, because I had trouble coming up with an idea. And he said, maybe you could take this character that you've used in the past. And it was a uh, kitsune girl. Uh, Kitsune means fox in Japanese. And there's this whole folklore that uh, foxes can transform into different things and generally they turn to transform into uh, beautiful women and then they'll like uh, trick men into doing things for them that sort of thing they're kind of like sometimes they're mischievous and they're tricksters and then other times they're like really good and um, like messengers of the gods kind of deal okay. so there's there yeah. are uh, polar opposites to like these creatures um yeah it's not a straight temptress kind of thing like it it's it's more the cleverness and the maybe the like some slight deceitful element or something like that yeah exactly um so he wanted me to take that character and make it more mature like in the way that he wanted it to be sexier, but also like have more violence to it as well. So in like every aspect, more mature. And he suggested that I use skulls and a thing called a Hanya mask. Um, hmm. The Hanya is a, a mask used in no plays. Um, and it is, it looks like a demon. It looks like a demon face. And a lot of people confuse it with like the Oni, the Japanese demon character. But Hanya is actually a, supposed to be a jealous woman. Um, so I I took that mask, the idea of that mask and like the also the Kitsune fox mask that's also used in these plays. And I was just messing around with these elements and sketching all these ideas and sometimes it takes me months to come up with something and drives me really? crazy. Yeah. I'll just, I'll be thinking, how do I make these, all these elements into something that is actually interesting and pulls it all together and is something also unique that no one has seen before. And, um, I think I thought about it for about three or four months before I started to get a sketch where I was like, okay, I feel confident about this one. How are you processing it over those several months? Is it just like shower thoughts and like napkin sketches and like how formal is that um, in terms like what's happening over that span of time? Sometimes it's just in my head, like I'll be working out like on my elliptical and I'll just be thinking and drifting into thought and like that's when I come up come up with things or when I'm like trying to fall asleep and then I'll just be I'll I'll just be envisioning what these different elements could be if I put them together in certain ways um if I'm just sitting in front of a piece of paper and forcing myself to draw it's really hard to make anything interesting come out and then I'll just kind of wait until I get like this sudden inspiration and then I'll do a really loose messy sketch of it something that like if anyone else looked at it they probably wouldn't be able to tell what anything is like on a Nintendo Switch screen with your foot <laughs> yeah like worse than that <laughs> and then I'll I'll keep uh, refining that and switching things around and then when I have something where I think that 
it looks okay, then I'll <laughs> I, I'll send it over and see what they think. So I had a very loose, messy sketch. I sent it to Frank, and um, I also was starting to develop the refined sketch because I was that confident about it. <laughs> so I sent those two sketches to him, and all he emailed back was just in all caps, yes. <laughs> so ah, I feels good. That, yeah, I, I was really worried about when I sent it over, I was um, really doubting myself and thinking, well, I feel like it's really cool, but maybe it's just because like I'm too like up my own ass about it is what mm -hmm, <laughs> maybe yeah. not the best way to put it, but I get really worried that that's the case, especially if um, you're showing stuff to like friends and family and you know they don't want to hurt your feelings so they'll always be like oh it's great yeah it's good you know and if that's all you're ever hearing then you don't know if you're actually doing a good job or not who gives you the toughest feedback like not like internet strangers but like in your in your life like in your social circles like who will tell you if something like legitimately isn't there yet it's really rare that I show anyone these things that I'm working on because it's, uh, you know, the less people that you show, the better sometimes because you don't want, it's really bad when you're in the early stages of designing something and you just show it to everyone. Like sometimes people just post it on their social media and it's like, no, oh, don't gosh. do that. So I'm very selective with who I show. Um, I show everything to my boyfriend and um, he's not like, he's not an artist or a designer or anything, but I really like hearing his feedback about it. Um, so I think that he's the one that I trust most with showing those things. Um, mm -hmm. Beyond that, like sometimes there are a few other artists that I will ask their opinion about. So there isn't like a like illustrator, toy designer, WhatsApp group <laughs> with, with you and Luke and other people where you've like we'll post sketches or or anything like that. No, not really. Um, like I did show this design to Luke as well because he was asking about what I was working on, um, and I trust his opinion about things too. I think he gives good feedback on art projects. So, at that stage, like once you get the that response that you're hoping for, do things kind of happen on the kid robot side of things? for a while but or are you straight into the next uh next phase of the project well then it's up to me to keep refining the sketch until i have something that i think that their uh, 3d sculptor has a lot to work with and they will sometimes work with just one one drawing of the piece but usually they want multiple views of it so like front, side, back, you know, and if you're really particular about how every little like curvature of the figurine looks, then you would probably want to do that. But I'm not really that good at like, um, thinking of things in a three dimensional space and just being able to like turn it in my head and then put that to paper. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And it's a really time consuming process. So I'm hoping that if I just do this one like front view, <laughs> then this the 3D sculptor can work with that and then they can come back to me and ask if they have issues or if they want to know how something looks like from a different angle.
do you find it difficult to like arrive at something that you feel really good about? Like if you're working on like a toy or a, like a, a paint job or, or something, um, how, so how kind are you to yourself in terms of um, <laughs> like when you feel like something is, is done or, uh, or just kind of how you feel about your own finished work? Uh, I think I'm very unkind to myself. I'm probably like harder on myself than like anyone could ever like any kind of criticism, like the worst criticism that could ever come to me is like from myself. I'm sure Um, when I'm painting a toy, if there's like one tiny little mistake, then it kind of just like ruins my spirit. And I just feel like it, the whole thing is ruined until I can fix this mistake but sometimes the medium that I'm using, it's very unforgiving and you can't fix the mistake. Uh, sometimes in some cases, it means that the whole thing is ruined and you have to start all over. Yeah, and I've been faced with that a few times. Can you give an example of a mistake that would, like, is it an errant errant stroke or is it um, just a misapplication of the paint or, or what would come to your mind when you're describing that that experience? Well, it makes me think immediately of when I paint with vinyl paint. It's uh, it's really like as soon as you spray it, it adheres to the vinyl. And so it's really hard to undo it. Um, there's so many other factors too. Like if there's too much humidity in the air, the paint won't be applied correctly. If your airbrush isn't properly cleaned, it could cause paint splatters. So sometimes I just live with it. I'm like, okay, the paint splattered, but it it's not terrible. I don't think anyone's going to look at it and think like, this is a piece of crap. I think that right. they'll look at it and th- just think that it looks, it's kind of like a neat effect, if anything. But it depends on how like a perfectionist you're trying to be with the whole paint application. Um, And I try to go for as clean as possible. But at the same time, people know that these are hand painted. So maybe they like when they can tell that the artist is actually like it's actually a human being. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, It's not machine perfect. Yeah. But um, besides that, there's also cases where um, I've been doing a lot of masking. So I um, I design these sticker decals on my computer and I print them out onto masking sheet. They're cut out of this masking sticker sheet thing. So like right now I'm working with these uh, Sakura cherry blossom patterns. And if you don't apply a, um, a primer before sticking the sticker onto it, then when you remove the sticker, you have a chance of it pulling the old paint up with it. And then it you know, causes like cracks and um, it's hard to <laughs> fix it. And sometimes when you go back and you have any kind of mistake with the paint job and you try to fix it, sometimes fixing it just makes it worse. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. the whole like, you know, downward spiral from there. I mean, I assume you just have to do like a full spray over and to like reset the canvas. Is that, is that how you reboot? I don't know like what the control alt delete of like a physical, <laughs> a physical like paint paint over what that what that looks like 
So you can, I, I've developed some paint styles where I just keep going and I can keep applying more to it and you won't notice the mistake. And then also the fact that I use sometimes a really like sparkly finish and the glossy clear coat, it, it's, uh, it can kind of hide the uh, mistakes that I make on the paint job or mask it a little bit. But other times it's way less forgiving than that. But it's just a matter of problem solving. Um, I've also had pieces where I completely finish it and I paint it, but I don't like how I did certain things or I don't like the color choices. And you can't cover it up because, say, like if I'm working with a, with a glow-in-the-dark vinyl and I mm. wanted that to show through, then in that case, I have to completely dunk it in like chemicals, like various like vinyl thinner, lacquer thinner, and scrub it with a toothbrush. And that is what I hate so much because it'll be stuck in all the little crevices. It's like really hard to get back to that blank vinyl state again. And it is so frustrating that sometimes then I'm just like, oh, it's a lost cause. I'm, I'm not dealing with that. So it's either completely remove, scrub clean, spending probably like, you know, a whole day to, depending on how many of these you need to do, or it's spraying it, completely covering it in a new type of paint and just uh, then you're going for a whole different style of application from then. Yeah, I mean, it sounded a little bit like um, like you were talking about tattoo art in a, in a way, like in terms of adding extra ink or almost like if it, if you get a tattoo that that you're not happy with, like going to a different artist and then some of the the ways that they work around the permanence of of the base layer that they're trying to paint over or sort of ink over. Um, but yeah, not, not easy at all. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. And that's one of the things that has like really scared me away from ever wanting to do tattoos on people. <laughs> like it is the permanence of it and having to live with your mistakes or finding problem solving and trying to find ways to deal with that mistake. I'm looking at the the dragon pattern that you did on the KAWS is is that cause? Um Yeah. Okay, yeah. On on that piece which just kind of made like blood run out of my ears a little bit. Like, I loved it so much. It was just so <laughs> beautiful. The, the intricacy of the, like the serpentine dragon tails and, and all of that with, with a design that's that intricate. When you watch the time-lapse of you painting it, like, have you just memorized that, that piece? And then you're, uh, sort of painting it over because obviously all of the spacing and everything has to be just right. So, or is there a sketch layer kind of at the, at the very bottom of that, that you're then using as guidelines uh, for the, for the painting? 
I don't do sketches on the toys. I'll typically just, I'll look at it and try to envision where I'm going to place all the different objects. And for a lot of these dragon pieces, I'll also be using a reference picture. And it's not something that I am trying to completely replicate. It's just a, a dragon that I really liked how this particular artist did the face and did these features and something that can inspire me and give me a direction for how I want it to go. And I think I'll usually write in the comments like this was inspired by, you know, such and such piece by like Hokusai or um, Kuniyoshi, uh, different like ukiyo-e artists that I'm inspired by. So I'll have that on my screen in front of me, but I, I'm not directly trying to replicate it. It's just a, kind of a bit of a roadmap kind of thing but I'll I'll glance at that and then I'm painting on the figure and if you watch the beginning when I'm painting I think it was like a teal paint that is what I consider the sketch layer but it's uh yeah but something that I keep building up and refining from there the the level of detail is is pretty spectacular um and it, it it does like because you're drawing it onto that figure it it does like your look like you're giving him her it like a like this like a cool tattoo um and you're like did you like you're working on your own sleeves like you're kind of halfway or like significant way through um kind of sleeving up your your arms like are those pieces that you i mean i'm i'm guessing that you were probably pretty particular about like how those designs uh, speaking of permanence <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so how, how did you arrive at um at that finally where you felt comfortable with like saying okay this is this is what what's going to to go into these um the decision for my tattoos it's been a, I always wanted tattoos since I was probably a teenager or so and it took me a really long time to find the right artist for them but then when I found that artist I just knew like okay this is the guy that I want to be doing the majority of my tattoos I have uh, gone to a few different artists now um, but for my two full sleeves that he's doing those exclusively and that artist in particular if you look at his artwork his name is Horitomo and he specializes in cats and he's mostly known for doing cats that have tattoos and these cats are called uh, monmon cats and oh, I thought you were really going to say popular. tattoos, um, but that would be uh, yeah, way too... Yeah, some people call it tattoos, um, but his like branding for it is monmon cats um, and so he first started, he first did a tattoo on my, on my thighs. He did one that was, uh, inspired by a woodblock print that is basically a cat face that is made of other cats. And so on my right thigh, I have that, the cats and on my left thigh, he did a kitsune mask and so then I went with like, well, the right side of my body is like the cats and then the left side's like the foxes. So then my right sleeve is a cat demon. Um, and I kind of went with like, uh, just 
I, I like all these different elements in Japanese mythology. I like reading about them and learning about them aesthetically. They're, they're awesome, you know? So there's all these different elements that I really like. And I just told them I wanted all of these elements in it. And I say that like the right, my right hand, that sleeve is like the bad luck sleeve. Cause there's, um, it's, there's like a waterfall in the background. The demon cat has a knife in its mouth. And then there's a severed head woman, Namakubi, like geisha woman, um, tattooed onto the cat. And it's supposed to represent like struggle and overcoming things. And then the left, my left arm, the left sleeve is all like good luck. So there's a fox that has uh, all these good luck symbols around it. And, um, and like bringing, oh, what is it? There's like rice grains and like lucky jewels, yeah. scrolls and stuff. And then on both, of my forearms is the flaming jewel imagery that's also good luck. <laughs> so I wanted there to be like a symmetry to it. And I guess that's traditionally not usually used in tattoo artwork um, because at first he had the idea of doing the fox on my forearm and like facing upwards so that when you look, when you're looking at my body like straight on, it would kind of be more of like a circular motion mm. but the creatures are facing each other which I guess isn't really that much of a good thing because then it's like they're battling each other and it's kind of like a whole like bad luck thing to have that but I really like a tree idea so I went with that but like if anyone wants my opinion on it I feel like you should always uh trust your tattoo artist and go with what they recommend not that I regret like making this decision because I think it still looks really cool but yeah trust your tattoo artist because they know what they're doing <laughs> for somebody who's like been training as an artist and working on that craft for for so many years like that is has to be much easier said than done yeah <laughs> How long have you been uh, sort of working out of your out of your own space or working at home full time ish? Working at home, like doing art full time. Mm -hmm. um, I've been doing that since I think twenty sixteen. What was the uh, the plunge like when you when you switched over to doing that? Was it was it stressful at that time making the, mm -hmm. the switch? Well, it was really hard in the beginning, but um, I just I made sure that I had a, a lot of safety nets in place and that um, I kind of like eased into it because before that I was working as a graphic designer um, in house and I just slowly was, you know, reducing my hours at my um, full time job. I went to part time and then I started dedicating more time to my artwork. So it was, uh, I did it in like the safest way possible. <laughs> nice. Can I, can I ask where you were, where you were working at that time? Yeah, I was working at a hot rod shop called a uh, SoCal speed shop. Um, and I worked there for five years doing graphic design, like their advertisements, their website and all of that stuff. 
were you able to to bring any of your own style into into that or was it a bit more just to the brief uh kind of design well with graphic design you're kind of always you're catering towards the client you know the client is what's most important is making them happy um but i was lucky that my manager, I think he saw a lot of potential in me and he wanted to encourage me to really explore like the creative side of that job more so and think of it more as like a way to like express myself rather than just doing a job. So I did get to put in some of my illustration skills for some of the artwork that I was doing. But most of the time it's really just like, you know, fonts and making it like readable and like uh, yeah. making it look nice. And then also having to cater towards this like hot rod style that they were doing, but wasn't really like the whole like flames and stuff kind of style, like, you know, the rockabilly style. It wasn't so much that we went for more of like a vintage, like a uh, handcrafted kind of look. Yeah. I mean, at what point did you feel like, there was an urge building to to pull away from that and like indulge your own like creative direction and your own own vision for what you wanted to do with your with your making time well i it's kind of like i had to do it i was getting so many commissions because i started to design toys in 2014 and from there, I just like I kept getting more and more offers to not only do my own designs um, for other companies, but also to paint toys. And I that was when I started airbrushing and I, I started taking on all these commissions. And beyond just the toys, I was also doing traditional media, like doing paintings and being involved in galleries, having gallery shows. And I curated some shows. And so it just felt like I had this whole like huge mountain of work dropped on me and I <laughs> knew that I had to pursue it because it's like this is what I wanted to do with my life. Like from a very young age, that's exactly what I wanted to do. How young did did that start to cement in your own mind? Mm, um, well, I always knew I wanted to be an artist because I started drawing when I was really young. My mom would draw a lot and she'd draw like horses and bunnies and I would watch her draw and thought it was amazing. So then I would copy her. Um, so I started drawing when I was really young and I would um, compete in like little art competition things and I would usually, I would win those or do really well in those and like certain like art projects whenever there was like a drawing related project in school I would you know like really go for it that kind of thing like oh like Candace can like handle this one <laughs> that was like my thing like I was the girl that was like really into art um but then I really like didn't think that it could be viable for a job so there was a long period of time where I was just doing it for fun and didn't think it would ever go anywhere like never thought in a million years that that could happen and that's why I pursued the whole graphic design thing because it was kind of a uh, a compromise between having a real career and still being able to incorporate like creative skills so I, I suppose like just 
uh, wrapping things up, just a couple, a couple last questions. I wanted to, I wanted to dig just a little bit more into the mythological element and the the symbols, uh, because that seems to be a really a potent source of inspiration for you. Uh, and I was, I was just wondering if it like resonates on like a, an emotional layer beneath just the craft of it. Um, do you have any, any thoughts on that? Mm, yeah. So it's really hard to say. I, I did a lot of reading on Japanese mythology and I really enjoyed learning about all the different symbols and stuff. And I think I originally wanted to learn about it because I was like curating my tattoos at the time. Um, but then as I learned about them, I really liked the design and wanted to uh, try drawing that myself. It's kind of like similar to me to working with uh, licensed characters and doing fan art because everyone knows these characters. Like people know the Japanese style dragon, but every artist draws it a different way and you can add in your own ideas and elements into it. So like with my dragons I've been doing lately, the thing that I have a lot of fun with is when I draw their whiskers, I make them really extra long and do all these like curly, like sorely lying details and stuff. So I like that these mythological creatures, they, they have a, a lot of, uh, they have characteristics that like everyone knows about and people know, generally people know the story behind them and they're, uh, what they are, what they represent. Um, and there's like a certain way that you're supposed to draw them, but it's okay if you like do it differently, add your own ideas and um, elements to them. Like I'm painting the Sakura Hello Kitties right now. I'm finishing those up as we speak. And uh, cherry blossoms have a lot of symbolism to them. I'm not sure if you know about that but it's supposed to be like the um the beauty of life and how it's very fleeting how it's the, the cherry blossoms when they bloom they're there and they're in full bloom for about a week and then they they go away and they all fall so it's yeah supposed to be a symbol for what our lives are um so i guess yeah there is like a deeper meaning to those elements I mean, it feels like artwork is, it's like us, um, it's like that little thing, like we, we spray some, like just carve some graffiti or like write like a little message on like a little Sharpie, uh, you know, picture on the bathroom wall. And then, and then we, you know, we pass away and then like the next like person comes along and then does their little drawing and. Um, so that is one thing I, I do love about, about visual art and especially like physical art that an artist has, has touched and like put their, their imprint on. Uh, I think it's a beautiful thing like to just like leave that little beautiful stain on like a tiny part of the world, um, while you're here. So I love seeing you do that in your art and it's just incredibly beautiful work. Like even the, even the really uh, cheeky, like fun, uh, messy, um, 
just for lols uh stuff like with the <laughs> with the animal crossing art like there's like a real um yeah there's like a real love for like the the play of um of creating it that that comes through when you when you look at it as a as a viewer yeah i just i enjoy just getting better at my craft at my you know skills and in the process i hope that other people enjoy it as well i guess the point of an artist is to you know leave your mark on things um and hope that that is part of your legacy i don't know if i'm really even thinking about that i just feel compelled to do these things so i do them and hope that other people like it (laughs) (laughs) well keep doing them and uh yeah, and just let our listeners know before we wrap up, like, where are the the best places to find you online and to like buy your work, which is basically all sold out. So I don't even know if it's worth like sending people to your website. <laughs> <laughs> it's best to follow me on Instagram. It's Candy Bolton, C A N D I E B O L T O N. And I think it's the same for Twitter, just Candy Bolton all around, you know, my website to candybolton.com. So if I am going to sell anything on my website, I'll announce it on my Instagram first, um, but I'll also announce it on Twitter and do email blasts that you can sign up for on my website. So I think that's probably the best way that you can find me. Cool. So anybody who who gets signed up for your newsletter will find out about that that new kid robot project um when when that gets formally announced is there any idea when that's going to roughly when that might happen or is it still just to be determined oh yeah it's still in the very early stages so it's hard to say okay okay all right well We'll look forward to that. And it's just been a huge pleasure talking to you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. (laughs) Bye. If you enjoyed the topics we covered in this episode, head over to my website at jason-killingsworth.com, where you will find lots more content to check out. While you're on my page, be sure to sign up for my newsletter so you don't miss the latest articles and videos I'll be posting there in the days to come. There are links in the upper right corner to my various social media accounts if you want to hit me up directly. The theme music for this episode has been Morning Flats by the band Limbic System. If you're looking up their stuff online, uh, just be aware it's spelled with a bunch of Y's like Leonard Skinner. Okay, that's it for now. Till next time, stay curious. Keep making that thing you're convinced the world will despise you for and try to be a bit more patient with yourself because as the proverb reminds us, be happy while you're living for you're a long time dead. Take care.